the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Friday, and it's the uh, beginning of the Memorial Day weekend. We get through today and uh, get ourselves ready for uh, tomorrow and Sunday and Monday. That's all important things for us to be ready to to take on. It's going to be a great weekend. The weather is looking good for the weekend. Uh, Today we got some uh, thunderstorms, some of which have come through our area already. Uh, but they're going to be scattered. It's nothing that's going to settle in and and be raining for all day or anything like that uh, or for hours. Just uh, some typical thunderstorm activity that we get as the humidity uh, goes up. Uh, th- those thunderstorms will be scattered through today. We'll have a high of 87. Uh, tomorrow, p- partly sunny, warm, humid, high of 88. Sunday, showers and thunderstorms around, high of 88. And then for your Memorial Day, showers and thunderstorms around in 85. Today, this is my last show uh, that will be live until Tuesday. I will be off on Monday, and we'll have a best of Dave Ellswick that day. So some of the shows that you've heard over the last couple of weeks, uh, you'll hear repeats of ones that we think are really, really good, uh, and were great interviews. Uh, we'll be playing those uh, those half hours and hours again for you uh, oh, on Monday. And on Monday, a special one-hour uh, Memorial Day broadcast with Jerry Stewart. He always does a great job. And I, I understand this one that we'll play, at, that, and we'll play it at 7 o'clock, I believe, on Monday morning. And uh, that is going to be a Memorial Day special talking to uh, uh, people who fought in World War II. Uh, You know, we're losing those folks rapidly. They're moving on uh, to their just rewards, and uh, they'll talk about uh, the moments during the time that they fought in in World War II and uh, talk about... uh, what that time meant for the United States. So we'll be talking about that on Monday. Right now, currently around the area, uh, Little Rock is at 66, Conway at 64, Cabot is at 66, and Hot Springs and uh, Pine Bluff. Uh, Hot Springs 64, Pine Bluff 66. We've got some uh, clouds in, in Little Rock. We've got partly cloudy skies in Conway and some light rain here in Cabot, although it's pretty well drying up now as far as the, the rainfall. 
Liz Harrington is supposed to join us here in a moment. Uh, she's wrote an op-ed piece, uh, piece that's on uh, uh, town uh, uh, hall that, uh, in full disclosure, it's owned by Salem Media. Uh, called uh, and She's a national spokesperson for the RNC. Uh, talking about uh, things that the, the Democrats have spoken up against uh, for a lot of years, and now they're not speaking against it. Um, they're speaking for it, and and that's uh, the changing of, of voting, uh, you know, as far as that goes. Um, okay, I just got a note from Heidi that uh, the Jerry Stewart segment is going to play at 8 a.m. on Monday. So uh, I stand corrected on that, 8 a.m. for Jerry Jerry Stewart. So we're, we're waiting for uh, uh, Liz to call in. I wanted to remind you we have something happening uh, on our sister stations and here on uh, 101.1 uh, FM, The Answer, dealing uh, with uh, hunger. We'd like you to be involved in it. Let me uh, find uh, the information that I have on that. I got to bring it up here. Uh, there it is. You know, right now in America, every day, more than 30 million children, well, they rely on school for food. They rely it to rely on it to, for breakfast or lunch. Oftentimes, they do both of those uh, meals at school. With 97 percent of schools closed right now. Many for the rest of the school year. Uh, many families are going to be hard-pressed to keep children from going hungry uh, without help. For more than 100 years, uh, Save the Children has been meeting the needs of children and families around the world and right here at home. Every day and in times of crisis, and right now with your help, uh, Save the Children is making sure that children get the nutrition that they need until school is back in session. Your gift of $100, it's all we're asking, 100 bucks, can provide breakfast, lunch, and dinner for 10 out-of-school children in need for one day. Even children in rural Arkansas. Right now, if you'll be one of the next uh, 20 people, uh, you can fill the uh, bellies of Arkansans' children. Uh, call 888-884-4836. That's 888-884-4836. And for just $100, you can fill the bellies of 10 kids for one day with Save the Children. Or you can give online right here at our radio station at 1011FMTheAnswer.com. Just uh, follow the instructions, and you uh, can take care of that. So, again, the phone number is 888-884-4836 or 101.1 FM, theanswer.com. $100 for 10 children to eat for one day. So uh, keep that in mind, and I'm going to remind you about that all day today during my show. And uh, hope that you will take uh, time to make that particular uh, donation. 
All right, I hear uh, Liz Harrington has joined us. Liz is the spokesperson, national spokesperson uh, for the RNC. She has an op-ed that's sitting at Town Hall. And again, Town Hall is owned by Salem Media, same people that owned uh, my radio station. And uh, we want to welcome her to the Dave Ellswick Show. She's been on it many, many a time. We enjoy having her here. And she's written a really good op-ed. This op-ed points out the inconsistency and the hypocrisy of the uh, Democrat Party. Um, and, and all those three words just go together. You know, they, they just, it, 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 when you say hypocrisy, you're talking about the Democratic Party. That's what you're talking about. And Liz, thanks for joining us here on the Dave Ellswick Show. You're talking about, you know, as, as early as Obama's last uh, time in office, he was speaking out about voting by mail and all kinds of the new uh, ways people were looking and, and saying, hey, we can we can uh, uh, people can vote different ways and, and and be connected. And by the way, I had Lars Larson on with me on Wednesday from out at Portland, Oregon, where uh, they're trying to do a lot of stuff as far as uh, um, mail in ballots. They've had mail in ballots forever. And the big uh, thing that they said out there, the Democrats did, was that this would increase the amount of people that would take part in our political process. And uh, it's been just the opposite. Fewer people vote out in Portland than they uh, did when before they had mail-in ballots. So let's talk about this. Uh, all of a sudden, we have the pandemic, and now the Democrats say this is the time for us to get out there and, and, and jump on this, and let's change the way we have elections in America. Ab- absolutely. They're using it to push through these liberal changes because they think it'll give them an edge in all of these elections. It's a great point. It actually makes you less engaged just mailing it in, mail in our democracy, right? Yeah. Um, But I said this yesterday, it's not, Democrats aren't looking for more voters, they're looking for more ballots. And this is the key point, because they're going around and coupling this with ballot harvesting. They're saying, oh, well, Nevada, you you have a ban on ballot harvesting, we're going to threaten to sue you, Mark Elias and the rest of these Democrat activist groups and force you to not enforce the law so we can come along. We'll send out ballots that hundreds of thousands more than there are adults living in the state. They're doing this in Clark County. They're sending them, which is a Democrat area outside of Vegas, all around Vegas, and they're saying, oh, yeah, we'll send 200,000 more ballots out to inactive voters, which are voters who have moved away, most likely, because the post office has evidence that they've moved away. That's why they've been put on the inactive list. Uh And they're piling up in the streets and in the trash. Well, that's convenient if you have a ballot harvester there to pick them up. And then, oh, the Democrat activist lawyers are also saying – Checking a signature, you can't check a signature. That'll disenfranchise people, too. So, oh, my God. So it's really, I mean, it's so brazen. Um, that's why we're fighting them in court. We launched protectthevote.com, where you can keep updated on our victories. We just um, did another uh, lawsuit in Florida responding to Democrats. It's all over the country. Uh, and, of course, now they're using the pandemic 
in Michigan when President Trump was tweeting about that yesterday. Uh, I'm so glad he did because it's proactive and it's getting out in front of the issue because Michigan last fall, last November, Priorities USA, which is a Democrat group, they sued uh, to have uh, have allow busing to the polls and, of course, ballot harvesting. So note, note the date. That was before coronavirus. Right, right. right. So it's the same aims, it's the same goals that they've wanted before, but now they're saying, oh, we have to social distance right as we're opening up, right as we're reopening our com- our, our, con- our great country. They're saying, oh, no, 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 we have to shut down the polls. We're not going to let that happen. Uh, and we want to vote in person. It's fastest, it's safest, and it's most secure. Uh, you, how is it social distancing if you have a ballot harvester, a paid third-party campaign operative that goes door-to-door picking up ballots in bulk? It'll totally wreck our elections, but that's the goal here. They just want power. Yeah, absolutely. well, that's been very obvious. I mean, I I was watching um, the Fox Business Channel uh, before I came on today, and uh, I was stunned at the, the number of governors— and they're all blue Democrat governors saying we can't completely reopen our uh, states until we have a vaccine. Well, we don't know whenever that's going to happen. That's just that's that's kind of talk is insane. Let me, Absolutely let me guess. insane. Let me guess. They want to open up on November 4th. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's it's so uh, transparent at this point because, come on. They keep on changing the narrative here then. Look, there was a lot of unknown, and you're right. There still is unknown about a vaccine, and the president has obviously prioritized this. But that, And he said this many times, but that still doesn't mean it's going to happen. And Lord willing, it goes away before, you know, it, it, it even happens. Lord yeah. willing, it's over before it happens even at warp speed, which is what the initiative is doing. Yeah, remember, um, we're still waiting on an HIV. For SARS. Yeah, we're still waiting on one for HIV, and that wasn't well, a pandemic. Exactly, and now they have therapeutics, but it's been decades. Uh, we're not waiting decades. We're not waiting months. No. We, need to, we need to get moving, and a lot of red states are, uh, and we really can show that what we we are all along, which we're innovators. And that's always has been the solution. And Democrats, they keep moving the goalposts now, just like they've done from the beginning of President Trump's presidency. They always move the goalposts and the demands change. Now I was seeing these stories about the contact tracing and we need this army and it's going to be our jobs program. How about we just go back to work? How about we rebuild this great economy? And how about we get our freedom back in some of these blue states? Yeah, that would be really really outrageous. All right, Liz Harrington is going to be with us uh, until about 27. We're going to keep her here on the Dave Ellswick Show. We've got to get a break in, Liz. When I come back, there's a name that keeps me embantied about when it comes to election, and it's George Soros. And when I hear that name, I cringe and I worry because – He's almost got more money than God, to be honest. And we'll talk about him and uh, in just a moment and how he plays into all of this about 
uh, mailer, uh, mail-in ballots and voter fraud and all the rest. That's coming up here on the Dave Ellswick Show, 21 after 6. Let's find out about our traffic and our weather right now. All right, I highly recommend you read this op-ed by Liz Harrington. I'll put it up on uh, the Dave Ellswick Show Facebook page uh, so you can link right to it. Uh, We've had really good responses here lately of people uh, looking at the information that we're presenting to them. Uh, The other day, just posting the new mask that I bought, uh, to to wear when I go out to the to shopping and stuff that's got the Joker smile on it, uh, well over uh, thousands of people logging in, and then I asked people if they would take the vaccine when it became uh, available, and uh, the majority of you said no. I personally, I think that's crazy. I take a flu shot. All right, a lot of you say you don't do flu shots. I do all of that stuff, but if you don't want to do it. I think that's your right as far as that's concerned. Our guest, Liz Harrington, is with us. Liz, George Soros' fingers have been in all of this with the Democrats for a long time. Uh, He's got a lawyer, Mark uh, Elias, who's also been involved in this a lot. I'd like you to talk a little bit about Pennsylvania uh, real quickly, and then everybody can read about Minnesota and some other places in California as well uh, that the Soros people have had their uh, dirty little paws in. Tell us about Pennsylvania. Sure. So Pennsylvania is one of the many states that Mark Elias and Democrat uh, activist groups are suing, and they're very brazen about it, right in their filings, basically saying exactly why they want to gut ballot harvesting bans and gut signature verification. And so in these lawsuits, they say, normally, uh, every state's different. And this is this is the key point, too. We want states to be able to make their own rules for elections. That's the way it's always been done. But when these lawyers come in, and George Soros has backed him for years, they've been the driving force behind trying to get rid of voter ID, they make all these demands to not enforce the laws on the books. And so that's what's happening in Pennsylvania. They have signature verification. They say, oh, no, no, since there's a pandemic, we, we, we shouldn't. Uh, check signatures. We should reduce those. We should give, if they're not signed, because there's going to be so many more mail-in ballots, if they're not signed, they're blank, oh, well, we need to give an opportunity 10 days to be able to contact this person. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. And that's what they're doing in all of these different states across the country. But we're fighting back. We're there. We got a good early sign in Pennsylvania that we haven't gotten a ruling yet, but um, we're there. We're fighting. We've gotten wins in Wisconsin. Um, we're all over the place. Um, but this cannot stand. And we can't let no. Democrats just push this through um, and while, we're, while we're asleep at the wheel. Well, we're not. Um, but people really need to be aware of this and, and fight against this because it's a brazen push by Democrats. Uh, using this pandemic as an excuse, but to really 
strip all of our voter integrity laws off the books. And it would invite chaos and fraud, which, by the way, Democrats once warned against. I mean, that's what Debbie Wasserman Schultz said. She said in a presidential election year, she said mail-in voting, that's just too risky. Uh, It would be chaotic. And Barack Obama said the same thing. We'd have to make sure if it's fraud proof. Well, you mentioned Washington. They rolled out their mail-in voting over five years, not five months. Right. All right, Liz Harrington, RNC National Spokesperson, thanks for the time. Read her uh, op-ed. It's on my Facebook page, and uh, you'll be uh, well-educated on we're fighting back against this uh, you know, way of, uh, of cheating as far as I'm concerned. Liz, thanks a lot. We'll have you on again in the near future. You have a great Memorial Day weekend. You too. Happy Memorial Day. All right. Bye-bye now. Liz Harrington here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, We've got news coming up here in just a moment. Then Jenna Ellis is going to join us. She's a constitutional law attorney. Uh, She's the senior legal advisor to the Trump 2020 campaign. Uh, She's going to join us. We're going to talk about General Flynn with her because uh, there's still more stuff coming out about that and about this Judge Sullivan who is just way overstepping his bounds. We'll talk about it when we return. We're back with you on the Dave Ellswick Show. Our thanks to Liz Harrington for being with us out of the box today and uh, talking about, uh, you know, mail-in votes and all of that. And I want to remind you, if you were listening to the show Wednesday, Lars Larson was on with me, good buddy of mine, talk show host out in Portland at KXL. And uh, he was speaking about they've had mail-in votes uh, for a long, long time in Oregon and it has not increased voter uh, participation because that's one of the arguments. Uh, well, look, if you only have to f- fill out a ballot and, and put it in an envelope and mail it in, everybody would do it. Well, that's not the case. Uh, they show that uh, they're going down in the number of people taking part in uh, elections just like everybody else show so uh, bottom line uh, there's more to this than making it quote and you can't see it unless well you can't even see it on mevo because i'm not in the studio air quotes here easy uh to vote our next guest is jenna ellis uh, she wrote an op-ed for uh, fox news we've uh, got her on today. She's a constitutional law attorney. She's a senior legal advisor to the Trump 2020 campaign. Jenna, thanks for joining us here on the Dave Ellswick Show. We've been following and we've been talking about the Flynn case. And I've been really talking about this Judge Sullivan. And I have a, a, a legal professor that joins me uh, every week from the Bowen School of Law, UALR, and uh, and he and he's a conservative, which is a rarity to find. It's like finding a diamond down in the the diamond park down south here in the state. But the bottom line is, uh, he said uh, that we needed to keep an eye on Sullivan because he was really an activist judge, and he's proven that. And you're you're writing about Sullivan, saying he's ignoring his uh, this basic rule of law concept that's out there, and that is, hey, there was nothing there. I mean, this guy is as as uh, not guilty as it can it can come, and he was entrapped. There's no doubt about that. Uh, they used his son to get him to agree to one of these uh, 
spurious deals that uh, prosecutors come up at to- with at times. And you write about this. Why don't you bring my listeners up to, to date with, with your thoughts? Now, Jenna? This whole yeah, entire, uh, yeah, this whole entire case is just um, all of the facts that are coming out are showing that, uh, you know, the Obama administration uh, actors and deep state actors of, uh, at the FBI not only set up Flynn and, and weaponized the law enforcement system, but then he was railroaded every step of the way. And uh, that should never happen in our justice system. And, uh, you know, every time that there is a, um, a criminal case in front of uh, the court, then uh, the the judge is supposed to be the impartial uh, arbiter of the rules, and and the dispute is between the prosecutor and the defendant. And so when you have a malicious prosecution, you have withholding of exculpatory evidence, you have you know this setup in the very beginning, you have incompetent counsel, you have all of these problems like what happened in the Flynn case. The judge is supposed to be the one that um, actually is able to enforce the law uh, when uh, these these types of filings then from the defendant to enforce his right. But then also when uh, the government actually files their own motion to dismiss, like what happened in the Flynn case when there was an independent review that was ordered in January by Attorney General Bill Barr, uh, and, and they actually did an independent review of what happened in Flynn's case, the government and the prosecutor then said, you know, we are we are moving to dismiss this case uh, for all of the circumstances together. Well, the judge then has no option under the law besides to dismiss the case. But what's happened here now is that uh, Judge Sullivan is, for all intents and purposes, is taking off his robe, stepping off the bench, and, and joining the prosecutor's table. That uh-huh. guess what? The, the government isn't even there. He's putting himself in an adversarial posture and violating the separation of powers uh, by refusing to dismiss this case. And he's putting himself against both the prosecutor and the defendant, which never should happen in a criminal case. So what, what, uh, where we stand now is that uh, the, the uh, Sidney Powell's, uh, who is Flynn's attorney, she has um, appealed for what's called a petition for writ of mandamus, which is basically asking the D.C. Circuit Court to step in and to uh, to require Judge Sullivan to follow the law. And they have now a panel of three judges um, as of yesterday has now told Judge Sullivan he has to answer for his actions in writing uh, by June 1st. So he's okay. now on the hook for his actions. Well, that's good because he's going. He's not only going against, uh, you know, uh, what most people that know anything about the law uh, have been saying, but uh, the magnificent RBG, uh, who sits on the Supreme Court, wrote about this just a few weeks ago and uh, went after judges like Sullivan, didn't she? Well, uh, well, that was a very uh, that, that was an issue that also pertained to the Flynn case. Not not a, she didn't write in that case wasn't at all about Flynn, but that was about um, allowing what's called uh, amicus filings or friend of the court uh, that Judge Sullivan has has now ordered uh, to be allowed. And so, yeah. so instead of just dismissing the case, he's allowing and appointed a retired judge to make arguments. 
before the court as to why this case shouldn't be dismissed. There's no legal reason for that at all. It's all that he's doing. It's, it's a political scam to yeah. just get statements onto the record that once this case is, is dismissed, which it will be uh, because that's the law, uh, then the Democrats and um, and the left can just spin their narrative and point to those political statements. And the Supreme yeah. Court said um, in a separate case that um, amicus filings in, in that and other contexts shouldn't be allowed. You know, most Americans still believe that you're uh, innocent until found guilty. And then when you find malfeasance in the prosecution, and it's very obvious, which in this case it is, when you look at all those interviews that were done uh, during the Mueller investigation, Comey investigation, and you've got all of these uh, uh, Obama officials, high officials, saying we didn't know nothing about nothing. And uh, you've got, uh, you got memos uh, between these lawyers saying, well, do we want to just get him to lie or do we want to get him fired or, or what is it that we want to do here? That should send a chill through everybody's body. Right. And, you know, this whole case just it, it just stinks from yeah, the very smells. beginning and the setup and the withholding of the evidence, the malicious prosecution and uh, the incompetent counsel, everything about the facts of the case. And I think we're going to see more uh, come out with uh, with what um, you know, what President Obama, then President Obama knew, what then Vice President Biden knew, uh, why the unmasking happened. I mean, there's so much here. Um, and then there's also so much uh, to talk about on, you know, really the separate issue of uh, why Judge Sullivan is so biased and is refusing to do his job as a judge and is simply trying to continue the prosecution when uh, the government is now saying, you know, no, this, we are dismissing the case. Yeah, we got to take a break. When we come back, uh, Jenna, let's talk about that specifically, about Judge Sullivan. He is seriously suggesting that he wants to deny the government's motion to dismiss and then order the government to continue to prosecute. It's the most absolutely craziest thing I've ever, I don't think I've ever seen. Look, I'm 67. I don't remember any case like this. Let's talk about it when we come back. Uh, Jenna Ellis is with us. She's a constitutional law attorney. Uh, She believes in the rule of law. Judge Sullivan does not. Uh, She is the senior legal advisor to the Trump 2020 campaign. We'll continue our conversation and finish it up when we come back. Traffic and weather right now here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Jenna Ellis, our guest, a constitutional law attorney, senior legal advisor uh, to the Trump 2020 campaign, has a book out that you can get that I would suggest that you read called The Legal Basis for a Moral Constitution. Last question for you, Jenna, because I know you got more interviews coming up, and, and that is uh, this is being done by Sullivan uh, just so that uh, the Democrats and the media can continue on with their inane narrative that people that have TDS, you know, Donald Trump syndrome, uh, can present to their listeners and their readers. Do you feel that way? 
Oh, absolutely. There's no uh, legitimate basis in the law for Judge Sullivan at this point uh, not to dismiss this case. And he should have dismissed it even uh, well before now uh, on Sidney Powell's motion, just based on uh, all of the factors here that, you know, that we've already talked about. Um, if this were any other case, and, you know, I've been a prosecutor, I've been a defense attorney, um, you know, if this were any other case that was not dealing with uh, high stakes politics as the underlying facts, uh, th- this would have been dismissed already. And so Judge Sullivan is clearly putting his own reputation on the line. And I have no idea what his defense will be to uh, the the D.C. Circuit Court now that he has to answer for his actions uh, within the next 10 days. But I'm certainly looking forward to seeing uh, what he says. And um, I hope that this panel of three judges will step in and um, actually bring about justice and enact um, you know the rule of law here, because this is what uh, every person who is um, in any way part of the justice system, you know, M- Michael Flynn, regardless of uh, what political perspective you come from, you're Democrat, Republican, justice should be blind. And he absolutely does not deserve what is happening in this case. And yeah. Americans who are paying attention need to have our own faith restored in the rule of law and in the justice system. I agree with you wholeheartedly, Jenna. Thank you very much for joining us today. Jenna Ellis is a constitutional law attorney. She is the senior legal advisor to the Trump 2020 campaign. And if I'm not mistaken, you're a a legal advisor directly to the president, aren't you? Uh, Yes, I'm one of his private counsel. So Ah, thank you so much for having me this morning as as well. Um, You know, these are really important topics and uh, you know, we will just look forward to uh, seeing how soon the the, uh, D.C. Circuit will intervene. I appreciate you, Jenna. Thank you. Have a great Memorial Day weekend. The Dave Ellswick Show right here at 101.1 FM, uh, The Answer. Don't forget that every day, every day, that includes today, that includes tomorrow, that more than 30 million children had been relying on school for food. Uh, eating breakfast or lunch. Oftentimes they eat both of them at school. And with 97% of uh, schools closed, many for the the rest of the school year, as you know, uh, many families are going to be hard-pressed to keep children from going hungry without some help. And that help comes from fellow Americans, neighbors, uh, friends here of the country, and, and that includes you. And for more than 100 years, Save the Children have been meeting the needs of children and families around the world. And right here at home, every day and in times of crisis. Right now, with your help, they're making sure that children get the nutrition that they need until school is back in session. Now, here's what they're asking of you. They're asking a gift from you of $100 that can provide breakfast, lunch, and dinner for 10 out-of-school children in need of food uh, for one day. Call 888-884-4836. That's 888-884-4836. And for just $100, you can fill the bellies of 10 children Helping out save the children. 
888-528-4836, number that you can call, or if you'd rather just do it online, you can do that right now by going to 101.1 FM, the answer, dot com. That 101.1 FM, the answer is one word, dot com, and just follow the instructions there to be able to make your donation of $100. Uh, we got a couple of minutes here before we get to uh, taking a break and, and going to new strong show uh, opening today. We've talked to Liz Harrington, national spokesperson for the RNC, to start off talking about this whole thing about mail-in ballots. Uh, you know, the only mail-in ballots I want to see in the state of Arkansas are, uh, you know, when people are overseas or whatever and uh, have to mail their ballots in to be able to be uh, counted uh, on their votes. I don't want to see everybody be able to do a mail-in ballot. Uh, it, it, look, it, it just opens it up itself up for all kinds of fraud in the election process, and that's what we don't want. We've been working for years, uh, you know, voter ID and all the rest, to make sure that fraud doesn't happen. So let's, let's not... Uh, Uh, Let the Democrats pass something that will just about make sure that we can uh, we can and and go out and harvest ballots and all of that. And if you want to know about any of that, let me suggest that you go to my my website uh, or my uh, Facebook page, Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, Go Facebook dot com slash the Dave Ellswick Show. And that story by Liz Harrington will be there for you uh, to read. I'm uh, sending Jenna Ellis's uh, 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 article, op-ed that she wrote for uh, Fox News. I'm sending that to uh, Elizabeth, and she'll post it as well, so you can read that as well. Uh, make sure you go on my Facebook page, because and, and, you know everybody can get on that. All you got to go is go there and, and just put yes when it says, "Do you want to join the?" the party yeah join the party and uh, please uh, leave a message for me uh on there about what do you think of my new face mask uh that i bought which has got the joker on it it's it's hilarious it's very good and uh and heidi's seen it heidi even thought it was cool I thought she might think I was nuts, but she thought it was cool. So anyway, it's got the Joker smile on it. And the other being that uh, during the time of uh, being at home and being forced to socially, uh, you know, distance myself, and I'm doing my, my show from the house, I, uh, I have grown a goatee. Uh, and I've got a picture of myself like that on my Facebook page. And if you've got a picture of yourself, guys, growing your beard or ladies if you've grown a beard ladies you can put your picture up as well uh and uh, you know show it to everybody and uh, we'll let everybody see what we're doing as far as yesterday my wife told me you know i really like your goatee and i said you do and she said yeah i didn't think she would and she said yeah i i hope that you'll keep it now i don't know if she was doing reverse psychology could have been and she knows now i'll shave it no i won't she likes it. I'm going to leave it on and uh, going to keep it there. The other question I asked is if the vi- vaccine for COVID-19 becomes available here soon, uh, like at the end of the year, are you going to take the vaccine? That is the other question to, to ask you. And uh, I'm going to tell you the majority of people answering on my website are saying no. 
for all of you who are saying no, know that Dave Ellswick is saying, yes, I'm going to take the vaccine. If it becomes available, I believe enough in uh, our scientists that I will get vaccinated just like I get a, a flu shot every year. All right, we got news coming up here at the top of the hour, and then Robert Steinbach, Chris Corbett will join us for the next 90 minutes. We've got a lot of things to talk about, uh, like why is Mayor Scott wanting the, quote, independent, air quotes again, independent uh, group to come in and uh, look at the police department of Little Rock? Hmm, there's something got to be there that smells, I'm just telling you. We'll talk about that and a whole lot more here on the Dave Ellswick Show. into the 7 o'clock hour here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Many of you on your way in to work right now. Welcome to the show. If you did not hear the first hour, you, met a, you missed a really solid first hour today. Go back to the uh, 101.1 FM, uh, theanswer.com website, and uh, you can find all of my shows, and you'll be able to find those those first two guests I had in the first hour. I had Liz Harrington on today, national spokesperson uh, for the uh, RNC. She was on with us and uh, talked to us about how the Democrats now suddenly are in love with mail-in ballots. When uh, Obama was in office, uh, they were all against it. Uh, now they're all for it. That should give you a good indication that it's not good what they're talking about and how in, you know involved the George Soros people are in it. And then in the last, uh, just this last half hour, Jenna Ellis was with us, constitutional law attorney and the uh, senior legal advisor to the Trump 2020 campaign. Uh, she was on with us and uh, brought out a piece of information I didn't know about yet and that uh, she talked about in that this three-person uh, is it appellate court there in D.C. Uh, that's looking into his, uh, his actions of taking friends of the court briefs of why right. they should continue going after Flynn uh, right. and, and asking him now in writing to explain to them these actions because they're so unusual so he has to have that out by the first of june he can turn it in earlier uh he could turn it in sometime next week but it must be on their desk no later than june 1st and i'm going to be interested to hear what sullivan has to say because literally what he's done and we talked about this uh jen and i did he's taken off his robe uh laid it in, you know there up on the on the front of the court on the dais where he sits at and gone down and sit at the prosecution table. 
Well, you got to be one or the other. You can't be both. Right. Look, this judge, Dave, uh, early in the process, refused to allow these so-called amicus briefs, as you aptly uh, translate them, friend of the court briefs, uh, to come in during the Flynn case. But now that the government has dropped the charges against Flynn, he says, oh, well, we need some amicus briefs. We need some friend of the court briefs. So he's done a complete 180 on that one. Yeah, well... Yeah, yeah, what what Jenna said is that what she believes is happening here is judge is going to throw all these amicus briefs uh, in with this. uh, You know, when when people look into this, uh, the the Flynn prosecution, they're going to see all these friends of the court. And what they're doing is using it to establish their narrative, not any proof just a whole lot of opinion that people will mix up with the truth so that they can have the narrative that they want when people go back and look at this. Yeah, the truth is a friend of the court brief is only supposed to discuss the, the law and the facts as they are known uh, to make another legal argument. So there shouldn't be any dispute as to the underlying facts, but I agree entirely that what's what looks like happening here was an attempt to kind of muddy what's going on. And then he could issue some sort of ruling that he might like, or maybe he's just trying to drag it out to give the government and Flynn a hard time because he's in the bag for the Democrats. Whatever right. the case may be, it's, it's bad behavior. And it's yeah, bad he, really, he really is. It's bad judgment. Yeah. I mean, what can happen to him? Can... Could could they Absolutely strip nothing. him of his robe? But but basically, no. nothing's going to happen, right? No, nothing will happen to him. The, the worst That's that can true. happen is if he makes a ruling and they the higher court reverses it. But you know, we have to call out this kind of behavior. I sent you today. I've got an op-ed in the Dem Gaz, the, the Democrat Gazette, and it's on the issue that we've talked about with Ben Motal uh, getting records from the city of Little Rock and the, and the city along with Tom Carpenter, the city attorney, uh, violating the FOIA, the Freedom of Information Act. And in that op-ed, I call out some bad judging, because that's what we've got to do, Dave. Too often, people are cautious when, they come, when it comes to dealing with bad judges. Well, that's not how uh, democracy works. In, Little, in Arkansas, the, the judges are elected, no less. So it's even right. more important. Uh, but even for appointed judges, like this guy Sullivan, in Washington, D.C., who's overseeing the Flynn case. Uh, he's, I don't know what he's done on other cases, Dave. I can't speak as to his whole career. But when it comes to the Flynn case, this is a travesty. And you and I and many others are going to call it out and have been calling it out, and that's the appropriate thing to do. Well, that, and I'll keep on doing it, but still, uh, if you can't get rid of these judges, then uh, that bothers me. There has to be some kind of remedy for for you know uh, you know there's got to be some kind of discipline from for unethical behavior and this is unethical. I, I think we all say to be sure on that. You know that yeah. we believe that. As I mentioned a moment ago, in Arkansas, uh, our judges are elected. 
So right. if you don't like how they're uh, operating, vote them out. come the next, vote the bums out, as the old saying goes. And I mean it. Right. And as I've uh, said on your show many times before, for, uh, for political candidates, including judges, uh, I will call out the, the good ones and the bad ones. And I will uh, tell your listening audience my views on the quality of the judging. We talked about that before regarding the Supreme Court. So uh, that's a lot of people complain, well, elected judges, it's political. What do you think, appointed judges aren't political? What do you think they're <laughs> How you think right? you get appointed, right? Yeah, right. I agree. I'm, I'm all over you, man. I definitely yeah. agree with what you are are saying. Okay, so you've got yourself uh, uh, an op-ed uh, today. Let's talk about this after we come back from our break. We've got a break that we've got to get traffic and weather. And i got to tell people a little bit about PI roofing. And then when we come back, uh, your thoughts about what's going on uh, down there at, uh, you know, the, the police department. We'll talk about it here in just a moment. Robert Steinbach is our uh, guest right now. Chris Counts, uh, Chris Counts, Chris Corbett is supposed to join us here in just a few moments. We'll get him uh, in as well as our two main uh, uh, lawyers that we call upon to try to cut through the crap. Uh, join us here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, traffic and weather, we do it uh, for you when we do breaks. Let's get uh, the traffic and weather to you right now here on the Dave Ellswick Show. We continue, and uh, joining us uh, until 8.30 today, Robert Steinbach is here on the Dave Ellswick Show. 8.30, we'll have a representative from Harding join us for the last half hour of the Friday show, talking a little bit about uh, getting your graduate degree from Harding and all the information about that. So that's what's still to come. Going to be some good talk here from Robert and hopefully Chris Corbett to join us here in the near future uh, to talk to us as well. Your Memorial Day is coming up. Uh, It's going to be a lot of fun. Make sure you do some grilling if you get the chance. I'm going to do some steaks uh, probably Saturday, and I think on uh, Sunday I'm doing uh, some pork ribs uh, on on uh, on Monday. Pardon me. So I'm looking forward to, to that. With that all said, let me remind you that you can help children who aren't in school right now, and they uh, are missing out on meals because of that. And to help the children uh, eat, uh, we would we would like uh, you to help uh, save the children by donating one hundred dollars, which will pay uh, for the meals for a child. Uh, for breakfast, lunch, and dinner uh, for one day, okay? Uh, That that, uh, that money will take care of kids that need this money so that they can can eat. And the folks that, of course, uh, Save the Children have been doing this for a long, long time. And we've worked uh, uh, with them for a long time uh, doing Uh, and taking care of the kids. So uh, keep that in mind. 30 million children rely on school for lunch and uh, and breakfast and and dinner. And oftentimes they get all those meals at school. Uh, 97% of schools are closed, and uh, we're we're trying to help the kids to save uh, the children who have been doing this for more than 100 
years. Here's how you can give your $100. Call 888-884-4836. And for just $100, you can fill uh, the bellies of uh, uh, 10 kids for one day. That's what saves the children, 888-884-4836. Or if you want to do it online, you can do it by going to 101.1, 1011FMTheAnswer.com. 1011FMTheAnswer.com. And uh, thank you in advance for uh, helping out. I know my listeners. I know that you'll help and uh, will uh, donate some money today. Uh, to save the children. Also, don't forget about PI Roofing. They want you to know that they don't want you to be worrying about your roof uh, d- during uh, this time of the pandemic. They can meet with you and set everything up that they need to do uh, about your roof if you've got a roofing problem uh, over the phone or over the Internet. They can do it. You don't have to sit down in an office. You don't have to have them come to your home other than to fix whatever it is that you need fixing. And uh, PI Roofing can do it all. They can fix your roof. They can fix a, uh, a ceiling in a bedroom that has a, you know, showing that there's been uh, some kind of uh, leakage. They can get rid of that. They'll do some painting for, for you. In fact, they'll, they'll help you with your windows. They'll help you with your gutters. They do it all at PI Roofing. It's piroofing.com or uh, 707-3551. 707-3551. All right, back to Robert Steinbach. Uh, did I give you enough time to finish your eggs and your English muffin, Robert? I was even able to make a cup of coffee. There we go. Okay, good. We, we, we got, your breakfast, got your breakfast down, and uh, you got your, your, your coffee. I'm starting on my fourth cup of coffee. I know how important coffee is in the morning. And uh, I've been I've been downing it today in copious amount. I stayed up less last night, Robert. Mm-hmm. I, I did a mm-hmm. stupid thing. I turned it over on uh, the Animal Planet, and they had a show on uh, called uh, "What About Your Dog?" That's what it was called. And I'm a dog guy. I like dogs. Yeah. So anyway, they took uh, I think it was eight couples, and. Uh, did DNA samples of their dogs. I mean, right. look, my dog is a is a mutt. Okay, he was mm-hmm. a saved dog from a right. from a, a trailer where they made meth, and he's a little oh. bit weird because of that. But wow. I've had I've had a lot of a lot of dogs that uh, you know are mutts. And I think mutts right. are good dogs. So, They're but great you, dogs, you, you know, you look great at them and you go, well, I see a little bit of this or a little bit of that in them. Well, now, just like you go out and get your own DNA analyzed and find out what your background is DNA-wise, you can do it for your dog now. And it was really amazing. You'd look at these dogs, you know. They had the, the, the coat of a Labrador, kind of, and these little stubby legs and and all kinds of stuff. And you go, oh, man, what kind of breed did got in them? And they started talking about it, and it was so weird what breeds were in these dogs. It was a very entertaining show, and before I knew it, it was 11 o'clock at night, and I always go to bed at 9. So wow. getting getting up this morning, the, my eyes were kind of at half mass until I got Liz Harrington on it at 6 o'clock, but I get up way before then. 
And I was just, uh, you know, I was just kind of floating around, and I had to drink copious amounts of coffee. But it was an interesting show, I'll tell you. It was an interesting show. Yeah. It, yesterday, the Animal Planet went to the dogs. The whole, sh- the whole, uh, the whole evening was about dogs. It was very interesting. Mm-hmm. Some I learned some stuff last night that I didn't know about dogs, and, and and I learned a lot about different breeds of dogs and what has been bred into them. So that you know, like, did you know you hear about the the uh, the uh, uh, Australian sheepdog? That's I not know an Australian dog. Yeah. yeah it's not an Australian dog. It was bred in America. The reason that it's called an Australian sheepdog is because most of the shepherds here in the United States uh, at the turn of the century, uh, from the 18th to the 19th, were uh, Australians. Isn't that funny? Isn't that funny? It has nothing to do with their dog. It has everything to do right. with the shepherds. I thought that was pretty interesting in it's and of itself. If I can yeah. walk away with one nugget like that that I can use in Trivia Pursuit, I'm all about it. I'm just, <laughs> you right, just right. you never know when that's gonna gonna break up. I I have to get into a game of trivia pursuit someday where money's involved. And then it would be yeah. like the ultimate trivia pursuit as far as that. All right, so bring us up to date on your uh, op-ed. What? Where are we with this thing about the you know the, poli- the the state police saying hey you can't take a picture of uh, of no a no city police. Oh, the right, city police, Little Rock yeah, City police. Tom Carpenter, right? Right. So, uh, as you know, and we talked about on your show, uh, breaking news indeed, uh, locally, Ben Motal, a, a local attorney, uh, went down to the city of Little Rock a Police Department to get a copy of the police report. And uh, they hand it to him, and he goes, to, it takes out his phone to take a picture of it. Now, uh, remember, this is a public police report. It's not some sort of internal document because they wouldn't have allowed him to look at it if it was some sort of secret document. There's no dispute about that, but I just want to emphasize that point. So he goes to take a picture. Oh, no, no, you can't take a picture. We've got to make a copy for you and wait for it, Dave, and charge you 10 bucks. (laughs) Every every time you look for corruption, Dave, follow the money trail. Oh, absolutely. Right? And it gets down even to a petty ten dollars from some bureau hack working a desk so he says uh, i don't have to um pay ten dollars because the freedom of information act allows me to copy this allows me to inspect it and allows me to ask you to make me a copy of it all three right so uh they say no so he files a lawsuit because he's a lawyer and he can do that you see the everyday joe it's not so easy i don't blame them Right. I, I don't expect I, I, I coincidentally use Joe. You know, Joe, uh, who comes on your show, uh, yeah. the mechanic is my mechanic. I got him through you, obviously. And I don't ask Joe to file a lawsuit for me. And uh, Joe doesn't ask me to fix his cars. That's the deal that we have. Right. And, it, and it's the right deal because his car would fall apart uh, driving down the street if I were to work on it. And he might not be the best man to draft a pleading for a court and yeah. he'd be the first to admit it. So the point is here that here you got somebody who luckily can afford to do this. Right. Because it's over ten dollars. So the cost of doing it, obviously, if you were to hire a lawyer, it would be. Many multiples of that. He files a lawsuit, and then to try to backpedal out of their own stupidity, the city of Little Rock 
hands him a copy of the document. Say, well, you see, you don't need a picture anymore because here's a copy of it. Right. He says, no. He says, no. I want want to take a picture of it, and I want to make sure that everybody knows that they can take a picture of it. Right. So he goes before, excuse me, well, morning throat there. He goes before uh, Mackie Pierce, who's a trial judge here in Little Rock, and I don't know Mackie Pierce uh, at all. Never had a case before him, but uh, he could not have gotten his opinion more wrong if he tried. <laughs> That's how bad the opinion was. Like, you would have to try. And let me tell you what he did. He listened to the city, he listened to Motal, and then he copied what the city had to say. And I'm sick and tired of these judges just waiting for the government, whatever level it is, state or local government, to come in. And like, we're all up there. If the government says it's okay, it's okay. No! No dice. And so they may, like, like, listen how absurd the arguments are. First, the first thing that the city says, and the judge buys apparently, is that you can copy it, or you can inspect it, or you can ask for a copy. But you can't ask for any multiple of that. So you can quite literally inspect it, but you can't copy it. Or you can copy it, but you can't inspect it. Dave, how exactly, by the way, do you copy something and then not inspect it? Yeah, I agree. How is that, how's that possible? That's reason so, that you do copy it, so you can inspect it. Indeed. That's exactly right. And then um, the city claimed, and, and uh, Mackie Pierce bought into the, the notion that, well, you know, it's, it's easier to alter a photograph than it is to alter a photocopy, and we'd give you a photocopy. First of all, right. Have you ever tried to alter a photograph, even using a computer? It's not easy. Why? Because there's all the different colors, all the different data in there. Altering a photocopy, you take a little white out and you copy it again. That's how you alter right. a photocopy. So it's just wrong. Besides, he's just making it up. He didn't have a trial. What, he's an expert on photocopying versus photographing? Just okay, hold your thought. Yeah. Hold your I'm thought. I'm going to do it. Rush Limbaugh is up here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Let's find out what Rush has to say today as we go into Memorial Day. All right, 66 degrees in Cabot, 67 in Little Rock, and out at Conway right now, it's 67 degrees. Looking for a high. Are you ready for this? 87 degrees today and much higher humidities in the air. You know, I'm happy about that because you know what that means? COVID-19 is going to be dying. COVID viruses don't do well in hot and humid temperatures. So bring it on, brother. I'm all about Mm -hmm. it. Let Mother Nature kill this crap. All right, back Mm -hmm. with uh, Robert Steinbach. He's a legal professor over at Bowen School of Law. His opinions are his and his alone. He's been talking about a lawsuit brought against the uh, city of Little Rock and the police department about not letting a person take a picture of a off of on their phone of a police report and of course you have the right to do that they can't deny that but they've had to go to court to get this taken care of and he was finishing up where we're at on this so we'll turn it over back over to you robert bring us up to date on this yeah like i was saying uh, so this attorney who uh, sought this record to take a picture of this record from the police department of the city of little rock was denied he sued he got a bad ruling in the trial court. He went up to the Court of Appeals. That's our middle court in Arkansas. And the Court of Appeals ruled in his favor uh, with, with an excellent opinion. 
really just an excellent opinion. Um, and in that opinion, the court says, look, we know what the word copy means. This was the dispute, right? Does copy include taking a photograph? And, and the notion, by the way, that copy doesn't include uh, the word photograph is ridiculous. If you and I are talking and I say, hey, let me make a copy of that. And, and you say, yeah, sure. And I pull out my phone. Would you even blink? Would, would you even say, yeah, oh, no, I'm going to make a Now, wait a second. Wait a yeah. second. I, that's yeah. a, that, now, that's exactly what I would say. I'd say, where's your Xerox machine? You what? You didn't bring a Xerox machine? <laughs> and, and, and the judge who wrote this excellent opinion in the, in the uh, Court of Appeals, Kenneth Hickson is his name. I like to mention the name of good judges, too, by the way. Kenneth Hickson did an outstanding job on this opinion, uh, and I give him full credit for it. And mind you, you might say, well, Rob, why are you giving this guy so much credit for getting something that you seem to think is obvious right? Uh, and there's something to that. However... He's doing that on the heels of a lousy opinion from the trial court. And even though it's not supposed to be the case, sometimes the judges on appellate courts courts kind of look at what the trial court did and give them the benefit of the doubt. Not here. Not here. When they said, yeah, copy means copy. And every one of us understands that includes a photograph. By the way, at the trial court, the judge said, well, copy doesn't include photographs. It does include facsimile, like a fax machine. Wait, where'd you get that from? Like, meaning the word facsimile is not in the word copy in the statute. So the trial judge reads in the word fax machine, but he doesn't read in the word uh, um, or, or read it to understand it to mean, I should say, uh, f- uh, using a camera. It's just silly. And let me make a broader point here, Dave. When uh, the trial judge says, I'm like, well, if the legislature wanted to say photograph, it could have said photograph. When you see a judge use that phrasing, and they use it all the time, nine out of ten times, uh, they're full of hot water or hot air or whatever. Uh Or or the other word that I can't say on your show, okay? Why? Because, of course, the legislature can use a whole bunch of words. English, by the way, is, is a language with a lot of words that mean the same thing. If you look for, just by way of example, if you look for a translation in English from the original Hebrew in the Old Testament, and I've got those books, I'm Jewish, I, I, I read the Old Testament, the, and the left side of the, uh, uh, when you split open the book, the left page is Hebrew and the right page is English, so you can ha- look back and forth. The Hebrew is half the length of the English. So we've got a lot of words to make our points and a lot of synonyms to make our points. There's no requirement for the legislature to list every possible word like it's some sort of contract that could possibly encompass the meaning of copy. They have to do one thing and one thing only. Use the words as we commonly understand it. These uh, um, uh, statutes, these laws are written for the public. So you use, and the legislature uses the words the public understands, and they use it in the way the public understands it. So it's not a legal contract with all of these, uh, uh, if you buy or rent or this, you know, the 18 different uh, sy- synonyms for the same word. No, you use the right. word copy, and then the job of the judge is to say, well, what do we all understand copy to mean? That's it. So, yeah, you don't have event. to be Solomon to figure this out. That's exactly right. 
And so Tom Carpenter, using my money, Dave, my money, wants to appeal this, says he, to the press, to the Supreme Court. And my answer is, bring it on, baby, because I'm going to be there in the Supreme Court if they'll let me come in, because much like the issue we talked about before, I already filed in the Court of Appeals to appear as an amicus, and I will appear, uh, seek to appear as an amicus that is a friend of the court in the Supreme Court if Tom Carpenter um, um, uh, appeals this, and I think we will win. Whether or not we win, I guarantee you the following, Dave. I will mop the floor with Tom Carpenter's arguments. I will embarrass the city of Little Rock, by the way, a city that seems almost unembarrassable with the uh, (laughs) mismanagement that's going on. I will nonetheless embarrass them with how ridiculous. And by the way, I assure you of this, Dave, I'm not posturing now to scare them away. I want them to bring the case because I want another bully pulpit that I can get up on and scream about how incompetent the city is, as well as any other locality or state that seeks to undermine the Freedom of Information Act. And that will be in the press again. It will give me an opportunity yet again to be in the Democrat Gazette on this issue, to be on the Dave Ellswick show on this issue, to be on Arkansas Impact. As you know, I have arkansasimpact.blogspot.com. That's my, my and Chris's blog. It will give me yet another opportunity to raise the importance of the Freedom of Information Act to the citizens of Arkansas and demonstrate when corrupt bureau hacks undermine transparency. And that's the way it should be. So how much longer do you think this is going to have to keep going? Well, it all depends if Tom Carpenter uh, seeks to appeal the case. If he doesn't appeal the case, the case is over. Don't get me wrong, Dave. I'll raise it for the next few weeks on your show regardless. But if it goes forward, then we'll get to raise it for the next few months. No, indeed, we'll get to raise it for upwards of a year because it'll take that long to process all the way through the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court, I believe, has discretion on whether they take the case because when a case goes on appeal, if it goes to the Court of Appeals, then the subsequent appeal to the Supreme Court at the state level is discretionary. Actually, it is at the federal level, too. Uh, and so they may simply deny the request to take it on appeal. Uh, and that probably would be the sound move. But again, if Tom Carpenter appeals, I hope the Supreme Court goes against their better instincts and takes the case so that I can stand up on that soapbox. I'll do it in the courtroom. I'll do it outside the courtroom. I'll do it to all the press outlets. Yet again, demonstrating the moral corruption of the city of Little Rock in refusing to let a citizen take a photograph of a public document. Yeah, I mean, seriously. I mean, maybe I should call Carpenter and see if he wants to come on and explain what's the difference between making a copy and taking a picture. He's afraid, Dave. You make oh, I know he's afraid. He's afraid. He's like a little cat in the corner. That he, I guarantee you, he will not show up on, uh, on your show. And if he does, I'll be happy to come on with you to talk to him. All right, all right. So we'll uh, we'll look into that. All right. So when we come back, I want to give you another case that I want you to talk about. This is happening in Oregon. The Oregon governor, this is according to PJ Media, who I give high marks for 
covering stories and covering them correctly. Oregon governor pulls out all the stops to destroy a mother who went against the state and reopened her beauty salon. We'll talk about that. The power of the state. We'll talk about that here on the Dave Ellswick Show when we come back after news and weather, which is now. All right, 12 minutes till 8 o'clock. What would you do with an extra $280,000 in retirement? In fact, $287,619 to get it to the the penny uh, in retirement. That's how much a little rock couple could save in taxes with their IRA and their 401K. Thanks to the uh, tax planning strategies from David Lucas Financial right here in Little Rock. Learn exactly how much money you could save with a free retirement tax analysis. Now, David saved me money over time by pointing out things that uh, most people should know, uh, and I didn't know I hadn't paid enough attention to Social Security and things of that nature. And he said, have you done this? Have you done that? And I said, no, you need to do them, he says. And he saved me, you know, several thousand dollars uh, a year over the last couple of years. So uh, it all adds up, folks. Learn exactly how much money you can save with a free retirement Tax analysis. If you save more than $250,000, be one of the first 10 callers to schedule your free analysis right now at uh, 501-222-3315. Do you have an IRA or a 401k? What kind of 401k you got? A normal one? You got a Roth? Uh, if you got a Roth, well, you've paid the taxes on it. If you have, if you don't, then you don't start paying taxes on that money you've been saving until you start taking money out of it and just think about if you're in your 40s now you wait until you're in your late 60s and you start taking the money what's the tax structure going to be 25 26 years down the line right now it's low it may not be so low then maybe really high and that's the amount of taxes they're going to take out learn how much money in taxes you could save by calling 501-222-3315-501 222-3315. Investment advisory services offered through the David Lucas Financial Company, an Arkansas registered investment advisor. All right, Dave Ellswick Show. Let's uh, get to the story, Robert, that I have in front of me. And by the way, Chris Corbett is going to join us in the next hour of the Dave Ellswick Show. He fessed up. He overslept. And so he's going to join us uh, at at 8 o'clock. So we'll be looking forward to bringing him on board and, and talking about some of these stories that I that I have and that uh, we need to we need to talk about. All right. So let's uh, let me get this story up. I need to get it here. I'm moving around right now. Here it is popping up right now. All right. So you got this lady who owns a salon in the state of of. Uh, Oregon. Now, we've been talking about Oregon a lot lately, and we had Lars Larson from Portland, Oregon, talk show host at KXL, KXL, good friend of mine, talking about there about how uh, Republicans suddenly were getting ballots saying that they that they uh, they were they didn't have a, a, a thought about what party they wanted to belong to. And so they couldn't vote in their own 
closed primary and things of that nature. Well, now we've got another story. This one from PJ Media. Here's what it says, Robert. I want to give you all the information right up front. Lindsey Graham opened her Salem salon last week in defiance of the state lockdown. In response, Democratic Governor Kate Brown arranged a $14,000 fine through Occupational Safety and Health and sent Child Protective Services, Child Protective Services, to visit her kids at home while Graham was at work. It's obvious that Governor Brown has decided to bully Graham and make an example of her and the contractors that work out of her salon. Now, her, the workers are not employed by her salon. They are independent contractors. Late yesterday, Oregon OSHA notified Graham they have been classifying the contractors working in her salon now as employees. It's a frontal assault on independent contract work and has no basis in statute. OSHA further informed her that it's going to issue a $14,000 fine for workplace violations. If allowed to stand, this action puts at risk every beauty salon in the state of Oregon that operates with contractors. OSHA then bullied Graham with the threat of notifying other state agencies and initiating additional investigations. Kate Brown has decided, the governor has decided to utilize the full weight of the state to target and destroy Lindsey Graham. Brown has even targeted her family and children as she received a visit from CPS at her home just three days after she reopened the salon. This is what every American freaks out about, Robert, is that the weight of the government will be put against you to destroy you. Well, that's exactly right, Dave. You know, we've talked both on and off the air that I am far more germaphobic uh, than uh, many, and as a consequence, I'm not quite as... uh, negative on some of the restrictions that we've seen across the country. But with that said, in other words, coming even from my perspective, when you see this kind of governmental overreach, right? So if somebody's doing something contrary to health and safety and there is a regulatory body to coordinate that, they can go in and they can do something. But here's what they do. They show up essentially with an armored column of the military to shut these people down. This is overreach. This is overkill. And this is the kind of dangerous behavior that you see from government actors. I guarantee you, Dave, this is the thing. You know, when we, if you look, you said you were watching the Animal Kingdom last night. Yeah. And if you ever watch the Animal Kingdom, you'll see there are few, there are only a few biological imperatives. That is, any living organism uh, feels compelled to eat, to take in some form of fuel, and to reproduce. Because otherwise, that entity will not survive itself. Yeah, it ceases to exist. That's right. And unfortunately, uh, as a practical matter, we can apply that kind of analysis to any form of organization as well, including government. That means government has an inherent desire to grow. And that's dangerous. 
I'm not an ace, uh, not atheist, a uh, anarchist. I'm not an anarchist who doesn't believe in any government. I believe in government, but limited government. And the problem is, government, uh, having government is like having bamboo in your backyard. A little bit of it looks real good, but it's an overwhelming burden. I'm not saying it can't be done, but it's a, a, a remarkable burden, I should say, to keep it at bay. And this is exactly what happens with government. Every time you have a limited government doing a limited job, and we say, oh, okay, well, that's, that's okay. They're doing what they should do. There's some bureau hack from the bottom up, I don't know where, and, and at many levels as well, that is going to overreach. And this is yet another example of that kind of overreach. And that's why we must be ever vigilant in ensuring that our government remains limited and that we have sufficient checks and balances. And that goes back, to, you'll, you'll like this move, by the way, Dave, that goes back to the point that I raised regarding the Ben Motal case, which is when the judges essentially wait for the government to show up and make an argument, and they're like, what does the government have to say? And they're half asleep on the bench, and then the government repeats their ridiculous argument as I said in my op-ed in the Democrat Gazette this morning, they're gag-worthy arguments, and the judge just puts them down on paper as the judge's opinion, well, then you don't have an effective check on government. Courts have to check government. Legislature has to check the executive. Executive has to uh, enforce the laws in a reasonable fashion. So each branch of government, as we learned in grade school, is supposed to be a check on every other branch of government. And the media, you, Dave, uh, is a check on all the branches of government. We and, the, and ultimately the citizenry, the population, needs to be a check on everybody within the government and the media. That's the virtuous cycle that we must aspire to so that we don't wind up living under tyranny. Yeah, absolutely. I just sent a note to Lars Larson about this Oregon story and asked if he could join us uh, on Tuesday uh, to talk about because he's on the air now. So I'm going to try to get him on at 6 a.m., which is... uh, uh, 4 a.m. out Pacific time, and uh, he's up at that time typically, so we'll see if he do. He might say 6.30, and I'll agree to that as well. But this story is indicative of how power-crazed uh, a lot of governors have been uh, become during this pandemic. All right, Chris Corbett will be with us in the, the 8 to 8.30, hour 8.30. we got some folks from Harding coming on. we got all that still to go here on the Dave Ellswick Show. We thank you for joining us. Robert, stick around. we got more to go here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All 
right, six minutes after eight on a Friday. It is uh, a Friday ahead of a three-day weekend. I will not be here on Monday. Uh, we'll have a best-of show. Uh, during uh, that show, we'll start at 6 a.m. Uh, replaying a show I had with State Senator Mark Johnson when we talked about the car that he owns now, a Tesla. What's it like to have an electric car? It was very interesting what he uh, told uh, Duck and Joe and myself during that hour he was with us. And you got to hear it. We'll replay that interview for you uh, in the first hour at 7 o'clock. Uh, State Representative Mark Lowry and then State Representative Julie Mayberry join me. And we'll uh, we'll talk about what's going on in the state legislature. And in the final hour, Jerry Stewart will be on with a Memorial Day uh, special, which uh, with World War II vets. And you will not want to miss that. It is an awesome, awesome special. All right. So Chris is with us now. He woke up. He he pleads that during the storm last night, I woke him up, and so he was really tired, and he he slept through his uh, alarm. Now, Robert and I believe that when you plead that your alarm didn't go off, it was because you didn't set your alarm. So anyway, <laughs> we, we, we're, we're going to just uh, give him a little grief here for a few moments. But he's with us now. Good to have him. You didn't hear this story. This is... What every citizen worries about, uh, 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 Chris, you, you're you're an owner of a business. Uh, you decide to reopen your store before the governor says you can open up your store. She's got a beauty salon. Uh, she's got women who are contractors. Uh, they they hi- they hire out at her store. They don't. They're not. They're not. Uh, you know, uh, employees, they're, in, uh, you know, they're independent contractors. And here's what's going on. On May 2nd, uh, Lindsay, that's the name of the lady, let her clients know that she would reopen her salon on the May, of, uh, May 5th. On May 4th, OSHA threatened her with a $70,000 fine. On May 5th, she reopened her salon in downtown Salem, Oregon. On May 6th, Lindsay receives a letter from the city of Salem informing her that she was in violation of the office lease contract because the city of Salem happens to own the building her salon occupies. On May 7th, Child Protective Services showed up at her home while she was at uh, work and her husband was at work. They had a babysitter at home, six-year-old child, to initiate an investigation of her children's environment. On May 14th, OSHA told Lindsay they had decided that they will fine her $14,000 and they will notify other state agencies to initiate additional uh, investigations. In an interview with PJ Media, the governor said that there is no way OSHA even has jurisdiction over her salon. This is Lindsey Graham. Uh, She's not the senator, all right? She's the owner of the salon. Uh, Jurisdiction over her salon, and her attorney concurs. Salon owners often lease out stations to stylists classified as independent contractor. Lindsay doesn't actually have any employees and does not operate a workspace. Therefore, OSHA should not have any involvement at all. They've appointed themselves arbiters in this case, 
without any legal authorization. And it just goes on and on. And this is the kind of stuff, if you're a citizen, should make you worried that the government, you know, it's it's like I always say, the government has more lawyers than you do, and they've got more power than you do, and you better hope that they're not at you know, out to get you, so to speak. And, uh, Chris, since you're just joining us, let's get your thought. This, you, I bet you that woke you up, didn't it? Oh, man, that is that, it's outrageous, Dave. Outrageous. One, um, you first hit me off, she's got to have a license from the government, okay, so they could, they could potentially take that away from her. Then she's in violation of some sort of business license. And then second you mentioned to me, which is outrageous, it, the city's a landlord? Why is yeah. the city a landlord? Yeah, uh, they own the building, evidently. The, yeah, they're, they're, in the, they're in the landlord business, I guess. So why are they competing with private landlords? And then third, um, what, what really strikes me as outrageous uh, is that they would bring down the full force of the government and try to investigate her or her family in an effort to take her child away from her with the yeah. human service. Wow. And it will, and, and, and people should be worried about that. It, it's retaliation. Um, I, I've got clients that worry about um, bringing lawsuits against cities for retaliation, and, and their, their concerns are legitimate. Um, but uh, as we've shown in history, and sometimes even in the law, the folks that stand up for themselves and and go to court, seek redress, and maybe it takes a year, they get it. And um, she, she's going to be, in the end, uh, found that these actions by the Salem Oregon are, are unconstitutional. And whether or not she'll actually get some justice, we'll wait and see. But those actions of the cities, wow, I'm stunned. I'm stunned. So it's, not only, it's, only, it's not only about the city. This is the governor of the state. This reminds me of that state agency out in Oregon that went after the bakers out there, and they're out of business now. It cost them all, oh. their, uh, all this money to defend themselves because they wouldn't bake a cake for a gay couple. Well, and Dave, that's the that point case. that I raised regarding the Ben Motal case as a broader notion. That is, unfortunately, when the power of the state comes against you or prevents you from accessing public documents, as in the Ben Motal case, uh, most people can't afford to litigate it. Most people can't afford to fight it. So either they go down, in this case, in the criminal context, or they go down uh, uh, in the Ben Motal type context if they're not lawyers in not getting their public access to their public documents because they can't afford to litigate it. Yeah, it's it's insane. It's just insane that Mm -hmm. not only look, OSHA's not even a state agency. That's a federal agency. So she's using uh, her power with somebody in a federal agency to get involved in this. Yeah, that's that's where it gets done. That gets a little scary when you think about that. Yeah, I mean, that's like uh, we're going to bring a federal, state, and city all against you. That is amazing to me. By the way, to my well, listeners, then, I have gotten a hold of Lars Larson. He will join us on Tuesday. We'll, I'm getting the time. Oh, nice. Go ahead, guys. What were you going to say? Well, well, if, when you come out and then some laws, these outrageous laws are passed, some unconstitutional laws are passed, 
um, it's 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 going to be someone that you know. It's going to be a, a fellow citizen that tries to enforce the laws against you. That's what's outrageous. It's not going to well, be some foreign country or some member of a military of a foreign country. It's going to be your neighbor. Yeah, I was right? talking to somebody yesterday. They saw a little, I think it was Kevin James, that put together a little video of a, of a guy, two guys out maybe in passing a, ba- a baseball back and forth, throwing a baseball back and forth yeah. uh, outside. And then it, it slowly panned over, and it showed uh, a person with, a, with their uh, camera taking pictures and, uh, and, and then uh, hitting things saying, Hi, 911, there's some people out here breaking the curfew. You know, and then it shows oh, the, no. the people, the two guys that are passing the baseball run, running and the police chasing after them. I mean, this is stuff that's actually happening now. This is Stasi stuff. This is the stuff of East Germany. This is the stuff of the Gestapo people that they 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 took uh, normal citizens and turned them into informants against their fellow neighbors. This is craziness. This is insanity. This has got to stop. You one hundred percent right. The problem. Yeah. Go ahead, Chris. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I just and it needs to be. They, they, she needs to lawyer up. She needs to. Hopefully, there's some uh, some good lawyers out there that are coming to her aid and um, are standing up to the government um, to enforce her rights. Yeah, I sure hope so. Like I said, Lars Larson, a good buddy of mine, fellow talk show host out of KXL in Portland. I'm sure he's on this story. And he's going to join us Tuesday because I'm off on Monday. But we'll come back to this story on Tuesday and talk about it. This infuriates me. I got to just tell you, guys, I'm I my temp, my internal temperature has gone up three or four degrees. It really is. I am pissed off right now. This really, really is beyond uh, the pale. This is what Jefferson warned us about. This is when he said, you know, a government big enough to give you everything is big enough to take everything away. Perfect example right here. Amen, brother. We talked about uh, in the last segment or the one before that. We have to be ever vigilant about government overgrowth. And I love when I watch, uh, you know, the uh, MSNBC um, propaganda station. Well, you know, these conservatives, they all they do is rail against government because they are selfish and entitled. We rail against government because we've picked up a history book in the last 200 years. Take a look around the world. What has happened when you have government overreach? Right. Yeah, and it, it, it. Hey, look, this is not a a, a a rare thing. We got this going on in Oregon. We got uh, the the governor in Michigan attacking people there that dare defy her orders. You got the blah blah blazio uh, asking people to take pictures of people that are out breaking uh, social distancing. I like how the the people reacted in New York's. 80% of the pictures he got back were pictures of penises. I love that. But, you know, this this is this is crazy stuff. This is to turn citizens into informants against their neighbors just blows my mind. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it's been done in Go history ahead. before, right? When J.F. Hooper, he he weaponized the IRS against its own citizens, right? 
back in history. <clears throat> well, and, Obama did that and, just recently. Yes, sir. And All right, uh, he did that, and, follows, and Nixon did it. Yep. It, it follows that, that you have to be vigilant about these things, and with the abuse of the FISA courts, um, th- those senators that I, I remember very well when they were passing some of these laws in order to protect us, right? Well, we need the government to protect us, and we need this law in order to protect us has now been turned against the ordinary citizen, um, even one that was running for president, right? Let's get you some warrants during that. I'm just telling you, man. Don't give them. They've got enough power. Now they've given them a bunch of power. And now they don't want to give it up, and they're getting even worse and worse about it. When we come back, I want to talk to you about these governors now that are saying in Michigan, Whitmore, uh, the, the, the governor in Illinois, and there's another governor and several others have joined in saying they really don't want to reopen their states until we have a vaccine for COVID-19. Look, uh, HIV was an epidemic. It wasn't a pandemic, but we still don't have a, a, a vaccine for HIV, and they've been working on it since it, it started roaring across this nation. You know, I know that uh, there's some companies that say that they feel like they're close, but until they have it, they don't have it. It's that simple. All right, a break and then more. 20 minutes after 8, Dave Ellswick Show. I'm, a, I'm heated. I'm ticked off. I'm ready to say things that I wish I didn't say, and I'll get FCC fine or something. We're coming back here on the Dave Ellswick Show in a moment. I hope Heidi doesn't take this back. She's my producer in the background. Uh, she was telling me, we're coming back. And I had heard her and she, and the, when she said it, but I didn't say I heard her. And so she told me again. So, uh, Heidi, I'll, I'm going to call you my second wife. Is that all right? Uh, I don't. I don't know about that. Usually, <laughs> Dave, given that I think you've been married at least twice already, the man. Yeah, that's work. true. Yeah. 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 This is a fairly new relationship, Dave. So maybe not. <laughs> okay, that's a good idea. All right, back with uh, Chris Corbett and uh, Robert Steinbach. Good to have them with me. We've been talking about Oregon, this thing that's going on in Oregon. And by the way, eight a.m. Tuesday morning, uh, the last hour of my show, Lars Larson from KXL in Portland will join me to talk about this specific story. He knows all about it. Uh, He's been covering it, and he's there in Oregon. So I'm sure we'll not only hear about this, but other instances uh, that Brown, the the governor there, has been just, uh, you know, trying to uh, muscle everybody. I mean, this is a governor who took, uh, you know, uh, steroids and uh, they were supplied to her by the Stasi. And now she's trying to flex her muscles, you know. And But uh, it's it just really crazy. This is crazy stuff. I mean, you guys listen to this. And I know that you don't you, you shake your heads like in disbelief. But is what it is what government government does when you continue to give them too much power. And the people of America got to learn this. I am stunned. I'm, I'm going to tell you. America has become a, a nation in many cases of wussies. All right, of wussies. Uh, you could not have convinced me uh, 10, maybe, maybe 15 years ago that American citizens will, would willingly bend over and uh, self 
you know, exile themselves and not leave their homes and things because the government said so. Well, Dave, this brings up a broader point, uh, which I've made before as well, and that is when you concentrate authority in one individual, it's more dangerous than when it's diffuse. And I've always agree that having a legislature that was on par with the other two branches is important. As you know, I worked prior to coming to Arkansas. uh, I worked on the Senate, United States Senate Judiciary Committee. And so I'm well familiar with the federal legislature, meaning the Congress. And I have now come for some time, by the way, come to the belief that our Arkansas legislature should meet every year. It shouldn't be every other year in terms of legislative sessions. Uh, I think it should be joint sessions of legislative and fiscal sessions every year. Uh, I realize that that is an impact on our citizen legislators, and we would have to uh, accommodate that. But nonetheless, I think that the way we have it structured now, it gives too much power to the executive branch, whoever it is, uh, and that's ultimately one individual as opposed to a group of individuals, which is inherently the case with the legislature. And as a consequence, I have been for some time now calling for, uh, legis- for the legislature to meet every year. Yeah, I, I agree. See, this, this is one, just one of the reasons, uh, and we're almost out of time, that I congratulate Asa Hutchinson in that he has not ordered uh, anybody to stay at home, he is. They, they've they've said you should stay at home. Uh, I I if they if he would have ordered, you know, people that they they couldn't travel or whatever, I would have been screaming uh, about mm-hmm. about this stuff. And in fact, I still scream about it uh, about the whole thing. Uh, I think the governor should have just opened, got up in front of the TV cameras and said, "Look, coronavirus is here." Uh, the best way you can protect you and your family is to uh, stay at home, period. And just been there and said, do it. You know, right. you should do that. And let people make up their mind. Let let businesses make up their mind if they're going to stay open or not. They would have found out if they're going to stay open or not, whether people came to frequent their businesses or not. Weirdest situation. Yesterday I went to Twin Peaks and had lunch with, with, uh, with Ed. Uh, my buddy from the gun shows, and uh, we were sitting down and, and talking, and they had all the social distancing, and only a third of the crowd could be there. It was surreal, guys. It was surreal to be there. It was weird. You could hear everybody's conversation at every table. That's how quiet wow. it was in there. That's how it was, quiet. Interesting. It was really, really weird. Really, really weird. So anyway, Did I got you feel this. Safe? Did you feel comfortable? Oh no, I didn't feel I didn't feel comfortable by it. Now I was wearing my new face mask. I'll send you a picture of it, Chris. I haven't sent you a picture okay. of it. But I put it up and it looks like the Joker smile. Oh nice. Right. And I wonder how many people I make nervous when I'm wearing sunglasses, got that up and I've got a baseball cap on. <laughs> you look like a, a bank robber, huh? Yeah, I do. I look like a I look like some kind of somebody you don't want to trust. But anyway, well, uh, they, they I, I got sixty seconds. Yeah, well, it goes to a broader point. I think, you know, the, the right to work is just as fundamental as the right to eat. How, how can the governor just come out and order somebody that can't go to work? It's outrageous, right? Yeah, I, I don't disagree. And it's happening I mean, all over like, the United States. It's happening all over the yeah. United States, guys. And American citizens are willingly 
doing it. That's what's scary. That's what's yeah. scary. All right, we're out of time. We'll get together again uh, in uh, the coming weeks. And, and let's just talk about this very, very important point. Shall we? Yes, sir. Thanks for having me on, Dave. Sure, Chris. Wake up next time. No, I'm just kidding. All right. Chris Chris will be back with us uh, here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Show with Robert Steinbach. Right now, here's Sean. We are back. We're ready to do the last half hour of the show today. This is really a great half hour because everybody remembers who's on at the very beginning of the show and at the very end of the show. So David Key joins us right now. He is the director of the MBA program. Uh, at Harding University's Graduate School of Business, and uh, with us today to to talk about some issues. And one of the first issues I want to get into with him, and David, thanks for making yourself available to us because we've talked a lot about education uh, during this COVID-19 event that's going on right now. Uh, what it means for us right now and what it means for us in the future. And I'd like to spend some time talking to you about that. And so let's start off with that, uh, David. COVID-19, okay. what, what has the virus done uh, for uh, Harding University or, or to Harding University? I mean, it's, it's had to have forced some changes on your part. Well, it definitely has in terms of the undergraduate programs. The students on the undergraduate side are used to being on campus together, enjoying the community that is being on campus. And uh, our campus represents 50 different states, 54 different countries, and they've just all been spread to the wind because of this and uh, have had to work online, and many of them have had zero experience. On the, in the graduate side, though, and uh, our program has been online for a number of years now, and the students who were affected by the virus in terms of having to have stay-at-home type deals. They were uh, used to this. They were set up for this. And for uh, I've, you know, I haven't noticed a lot of difference for them, except that their work has changed. So most of our MBA, primarily, and MSIS uh, students are used to working full-time jobs and then trying to work around that to complete their graduate degrees. Well, they're working remotely from home for their main job, as well as working on their uh, graduate program. And they've had to shuffle things around, and I can see that. And it's pretty clear that they've, they've, had, a, they've had to adjust uh, in, well, in that sense. Yeah, let, let's talk about graduate and undergraduate, if we could, just for a moment. I know that you're the head of the graduate program uh, for right. folks that want to get graduate degrees. Uh, there's, a, there's several advantages by doing things online, and I would say one of them, and, and probably a, a very big one, is cost. Uh, it costs less to do these, do these uh, uh, different uh, uh, courses uh, online than they do coming to uh, the, uh, the university. Plus, it gives you all kinds of flexibility when you want to do the course. Uh, so... What do you what do you think for the future for undergraduates is it, you know, you talk about people coming from other areas of the country other areas of the world uh, what if they say you know I I would love to go to Harding but I I can't afford to travel there and go there and live there I'd like to do it online there 
Is that going to become a reality that you believe will come about in the future? I think it is. I think that there are a number of people who are not just for financial considerations contemplating doing their whole uh, university or higher ed education uh, online, but it's also a whole bunch of people who didn't have the opportunity in the past and who now are going to be able to put together their degree Maybe they didn't have time to finish because of family issues or or because they were just simply busy working, and now people are going to have the opportunity to do that. So Harding, for example, is going to be expanding its online programs pretty dramatically because of this, because uh, they, that a lot of people realize they're going to be able to get their degree. But one thing that is clear is the experience is going to be different. Your university experience, especially in the undergrad, is a different go is a different type of experience when you do it all online. Sure, you don't you're not living next door in a dorm for instance to other other <laughs> right. students and things of that nature and I got to tell you what right. that's a valuable experience to have. It is. It is. In fact, it prepares you for pretty much all aspects of your future life including marriage. <laughs> yeah. Cuz you have to learn to learn to live with a roommate. Yeah. And um, so that experience is probably, you know, if, if you stay online, you're going to lose a little bit of that. But the beauty, of course, as you mentioned, is the flexibility that online offers. Mm-hmm. Pretty much every online course you can take, you can do the work at your own time. You can do it when you're ready to do it. You can work around your schedule and do the online work as, as it fits your schedule. And that is yeah. a very big advantage. Yeah, how, uh, how online, it, go ahead. Online, Online courses are usually cheaper than on-ground courses because of all the extra expenses, and therefore there is also the savings side, but also the savings in terms of your time, your time management. Correct. Um, there's no no commuting, no none of that. You know, so right. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm I'm looking forward to it. Look, I I got within you know six hours of graduating and then found out there were two core classes that i had to take so i had taken all these writing classes uh for journalism and for radio tv and i was a a political sci minor and i'd done all kinds of writing for that and then they told me i had to take a three-hour course in in the beginnings of writing and i said wait a second I'm not going to pay you to take a three-hour course in writing with all the courses in writing I've already took. They said, you have to or you can't graduate. And I said, well, I guess I don't graduate. So I might be, if you guys extend this out where I could take uh, these classes over uh, the Internet, I might uh, get a hold of you, send uh, the 90-plus hours I already have, see how many transfer, and uh, try to finish up my bachelor's that way. And that's right. And you, if you might, you might just be lacking two courses, and you can yeah. just take those courses online and knock them out, and then that degree is on your wall. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So let's let's go back about the main topic here, and that is Harding University Graduate School of Business. You're the head of the MBA program now. Basically, all of this is already online. You have found that people want to take these courses online because they got jobs. I mean, they're they're working. They're they're making their careers, and they but they they want to help their careers by giving and getting an MBA. Walk them through your all's program. Well, it's it's pretty straightforward. Our program is a thirty-hour program. The MBA. We also offer a master's in science and information systems, 
And both of these degrees are 30-hour degrees, which means 10 classes. If you take the classes one at a time, we have five different uh, blocks during the year. So that means you can do it in two years, taking one class at a time. Correct. If you want to speed up, if you want to speed up, you can double up and take two classes at a time, and you can get it done in one year. Now, you you need to have a lot of free time in order to do that, but it is possible. And so it's that it has that flexibility as well. And you can you have in the MBA program we have seven core courses plus three electives, so you have some leeway in terms of your schedule. So that in the electives you might choose to focus on courses that are much more relevant to you. You might want to take a class in the human resources if you're in that field or healthcare management if you're in that field. Or you want to just broaden your fields and go into an area you never studied before, such as data analytics or something like that. And therefore, um, our program has that versatility, but it offers the core, the necessary core in order to have a valued, uh, verified, accredited uh, master's degree. And those core courses are, of course, all available online and it's possible to, to finish in a year, but usually people take a year and a half to get it done, um, and which is still fairly quick for a master's degree. All right, David Key is our guest. David, uh, some added value you have. you got a new Master's of Science in Information Systems, a specialized mm-hmm. degree that combines technology with management. Uh, you know, if you want to be part of Skynet, sounds like you should be part of this. That's correct. <laughs> Well, what's happened is you've had automation taking place. You have artificial intelligence coming in, and a lot of people, their jobs are basically being replaced yes. with, with machines, with automation. How do, you, how do you have some added value that you as a person can bring to all this technology? And this uh, Master of Science and in Information Systems brings in the human element to the use and management of technology. Uh, it takes a human element, it takes a good management skills in order to be able to decide which technology to use, which ones combine web best with others, and which one actually provides the best and optimal results and performance for the firm. And this is a skill that is really needed in today's marketplace. We need people who can translate the technology into management decisions. And that's kind of what this degree offers. All right, our- it's very unique. It's unique. Our, our, uh, our guest is David Key. Uh, David Key is the uh, director of the MBA program at Harding University. So if you've got a question, feel free to call in, 823-0965. Uh, can they uh, email you somewhere, David, and uh, have some questions answered uh, That's that way? Very, very easy to do. Our, our, at the website at harding.edu slash GSB, which stands for Graduate School of Business, or you can simply write GSB at harding.edu, and you can reach me directly. And okay. uh, it's easy It's easy to reach us that way if you have questions uh, that you want to send by email, or you can put, uh, directly go into the website and just tap in your question. All right, let's take a quick break. It's a quarter till nine, final break for the eight o'clock hour. When we come back, David will still be with us. And I want to talk to him about this new graduate certificates that they have that add specialized credentials 
for the workplace. I mean, uh, it's a competition to get jobs, and uh, this could be uh, the thing that gives you a a one-up on somebody else. We'll talk about it when we come back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. But right now, traffic and weather. Let's do it on 101.1 FM, The Answer. All right, let's finish up our uh, discussion with David Key from uh, Harding University. He is the head of uh, the graduate program in business. And, uh, you know, MBA is a big thing to have, but a lot of people have MBAs now. Just want everybody to know, a lot of people got MBAs. Mm -hmm. Now, Matt Smith will tell you that. He's got an MBA as well. I don't know if Matt has a new graduate certificate, uh, principal leadership, entrepreneurship, healthcare management, data uh, analytics, information assurance and security or project management. These are all brand new at uh, at Harding. Uh, Why did these uh, come about, uh, David, and uh, how important are they to add on uh, to your MBA? Well, this, this is a very good question. You listed all six that we offer. They, we found that our students, when they graduate with an undergraduate degree, don't always have the time to go ahead and finish their master's. Okay. And then we found another group of people who have their master's, but they're not interested in getting a doctorate. They just want to pad, pad on to their master's to get some alternate credentials that will help qualify them for better jobs. And so that two, those two groups of people have their needs met through these graduate certificates because it's just four courses, so 12 credit hours, and you take these four courses and you gain this graduate certificate in a very specialized area. So let's just say data analytics, and you can there's a high demand for data analytics. We figured out how to gather data, but we haven't figured out necessarily how well we can analyze the data. So yeah. we need people who are specialized in that field. Well, if you add a data analytics graduate certificate to your undergraduate degree or to your graduate degree, either way, you are making yourself more valuable for the workplace. But on top of that, people can point to you and say, this person is a specialist at the graduate level in this particular field. And so that, uh-huh. that is something that we, we know people are seeking it costs far less than getting a master's degree or a doctorate. And so in four courses, it doesn't cost you as much. And uh, you can do them all online. And so you can, again, just all the advantages of doing things online, you can, uh, you know, set it up to fit your schedule. And uh, it's a really, really good in terms of having uh, the, the ability to add to your, um, your resume. But it's a lot more than that. It is also adding some some really added value that you can bring to your workplace. Yeah, your well, maybe feed. maybe you got your MBA and and uh, you want to do your work in hospitals or whatever. Well, you can get this uh, new graduate certificate on healthcare management, or perhaps you want to talk about what do you do to start a business in an economy after it's been devastated. Uh, by COVID-19 or, or any other black swan event, and uh, you can get one in entrepreneurship, which would help you, uh, you know, wade through those waters, so to speak. That's exactly right. And uh, like you said, there are a lot of MBAs out there. What you want to do is if you can add a grad certificate to your MBA, which is, which is where we're going to find a lot of people doing this, 
is it sets you up to be a little better prepared than what the average MBA person has um, or an MSIS degree. So I want to just the first one, which is principled leadership. There is a high demand in the workplace for people to become executives and leaders, higher upper level management type roles. Well, if you have an MBA, you're pretty much like everybody else. Uh-huh. If you have an MBA with an, an added graduate certificate in principled leadership, they're going to look to you to say, okay, this person is not just skilled and has the abilities to run uh, a business division, but this person also has added research and interest in becoming a leader who has character, a leader who has moral values that we need in this workplace. And I think that's, that's something that, that Christians can do to basically identify them as being a little bit different and better and special uh, in the workplace. But also, it's just a way to, to, to let your boss know that I am ready to lead, and I've done the work necessary for me to be a better leader. So I've, so I've padded my MBA with a principal leadership certificate. And, uh, yeah. I have a graduate, I hold a graduate certificate in management research because that's what my interest was in. And it really helped me get my doctorate because I, I showed an interest in management research and that that opened the door for me to be able to do a lot of things. So it's a, yeah. a door opener, if I can say it that way. Yeah, this is really cool because principal leadership, let's say you get that certificate. I think that says to the person who hires you that you're of a high ethical quality that they, I'm sure they're looking for in, in their particular uh, business. But as a management person, you would be able to teach those principles to those who are under you and to instill mm-hmm. those principles throughout the management of whomever you're working for. That's exactly right. And, that's, and, and that is something that the marketplace is looking for today. There's no doubt about that. But yeah, every that's one, important. Of, one of the hottest graduate certificate, I think, in the end will be project management. That is one that um, a lot. Why is that? There's a, high, there's a high demand for people to work on specific projects, especially in the tech industry. There's a lot of short-term, one to two-year type projects that they need people to know how to lead the project, to know how to use Scrum, or to know how to use uh, agile type systems in order to get a project from A to Z and make sure everything's covered and everybody's doing their job properly. And there's a high demand for that because a lot more work in the workplace is, make, is being made through projects. And so that grad certificate is going to say to the employer, oh, here's somebody who knows how to run a project. And we have this 18-month project ahead of us. Let's let this person run it. And that's going to be, I think, a pretty hot graduate certificate. All right. Makes sense. Definitely makes sense. David Key, our guest, will wrap up our uh, our uh, talk with him here on the Dave Ellswick Show. He's the director of the MBA program and uh, Harding University Graduate School of Business. He has just given you all kinds of reasons why uh, the School of Business is the place to uh, get your MBA at Harding. Uh, for that to happen, let me tell you, here, I want to give you a if I had a bunch of big horns from like when, you know, when they're going to make a big announcement by the, the Caesar or whatever in Rome and they blew the horns and stuff, uh, if we had somebody up on the ramparts doing that right now, I would tell you to go to harding.edu slash GSB. 
That's harding.edu slash GSB to learn about every one of the programs that we've talked about today or to contact the folks there uh, at Harding at the Graduate School of Business, and they can answer any questions that you might have. You know, I've had a lot of people on from Harding over this last year, uh, David, and I have been really amazed. You guys have really stepped up your game over uh, the last four or five years as far as the graduate program goes, and I believe that you very well now can uh, take on the you know, the East Coast elite, so to speak, right there at Harding. (laughs) Well, that's kind of you to say. Uh, There's a lot of work that's gone into making sure our graduate programs are ready for the students who come out of the undergrad because it's the future. Uh, The credentials that are required for the workplace today are getting higher and higher, and we need to be able to offer that in a way that is professional, in a way that is highly academic, but also in a way that provides for better outcomes for our students. All right. Well, David, thank re- you very can much. I you the website? Yeah, go right ahead. Harding.edu backslash GSB will give you all kinds of information about our programs and everything that's offered. So go online. You can do that from home because we're forced to stay at home. So there you go. That's it. You've got plenty of time. Look it <laughs> exactly. up. David Key, director of the MBA program at Harding. Thanks for the uh, half hour today. Very interesting, to uh, say the least. Thank you, Dave. I always appreciate being on this show. All right. We'll talk to you later. Time for me to call it a week. Uh, Time for me to tell you it's a three-day weekend. I will not be here on Monday. We'll have a best-of show on Monday at uh, the 6 a.m. hour Monday, uh, a show that I did with the the, car doctors Joe and Duck with uh, State Senator Mark Johnson, who owns a Tesla. What's that like? is a really interesting hour. You won't want to miss it. 7 o'clock, interviews I've had with State Representative Mark Lowry, State Representative um, Julie Mayberry, and 8 o'clock, a special about Memorial Day from Jerry Stewart. I'll see you again on Tuesday. Don't forget Lars Larson about that craziness going on in Oregon on Tuesday at 8 a.m. See you then. Have a great Memorial Day.